So this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. We're just talking about must bases. All right, I hit record. <laughs> we hit record too. Oh. How hurrah. <laughs> Welcome to Feature Creep, colon. <laughs> Built in microwave, semicolon. Slippery sophistry? Was that? Sorry. Slippery Lord. sophistry, thank you. I was like, I got the slippery part. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like a throat lozenge. It's like that slippery elm. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So, uh, welcome to Feature Creep. And I'm Ned, and we have Meg and Lauren. So, the three of us are hosting today. Um, Woo! Hello. We're hosting. What does that mean to host? I guess we're hosting some ideas. Uh, hosting a discussion. Hosting a discussion. Yes. So, uh, mm-hmm. how we got onto this was um, a friend of the podcast sent me, uh, she sent me photos of her tea. Like she, I forget what tea it is. It's like yogi tea that has like the little sort of mm-hmm. like, oh like yes, affirmations or whatever. Um, on, on the, the tea, on the, the little uh, tab. handle, the little yes, yes, and uh, and so the one that she sent me was like impression, or, or I'm looking at it. It says impression is for the now, trust is for the future, and um, hey, we've got even more <laughs> visitors. Is he gonna? We do uh, have we have more visitors. Someone else just people walked are, into the studio. Are walking in the door. Um. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's a, what did it say again? Oh, yeah. Again? So it said uh, impression is for the now trust is for the future, which gave me the <laughs> idea of this. Uh, or as I said in the chat log, <laughs> which leads me to my next podcast segment idea. The idea was we'd actually do this as a segment where we would just like for a few minutes. So actually, Lauren, maybe we can talk about that other thing that you oh, had sure. in mind, but we can just yeah. do this as the opening segment um, right. where I was. I basically said, you know, a podcast where we make up garbage sophistry and pass it off as wisdom um, to which uh, Lauren and I had a wonderful exchange. Um, yes it was it was really amazing to watch it unfold in real time <laughs> like i said i i'm not going to read all of them because there are a lot of them i'll try to pick out the i was gonna say what if you want if it's a reoccurring segment then you need to save them well right? th- th- they don't need to be saved they're they'll save them they're self-saving they'll save them. <laughs> they're self-saving <laughs> um so i i suggested thoughts are like the are like the leaves of a tree they'll fill they fill the branches with purpose um mm. and then lauren you had Quality. some uh you had some good ones, and let me just pull some of those out here. Um, only the most observant can perceive the abstraction of thought. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> to which, to which you said, "I love your like self-referencing. Like you're like, oh, let me just uh, judge that a little bit." And you said, "It's judgy, but also doesn't make sense. It's perfect." <laughs> I mean, at the core of slippery sophistry, right? Is yeah. absurdism. Yeah, absurdism. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Tell me more. Uh, well, so I've got some more here. I'll just uh, kind of ramble off. So this one is art is only inside the palace of the mind. Oh, I liked that one. God. Yeah. So how would we like, I mean, what the fuck does that even mean? It doesn't mean anything. That's why it's so yes. great. Like that's the thing that it, it, you guys haven't come up with things <clears throat> that are poorly explained or like um, it, like a hundred percent of the time you've managed to actually create phrases that have no meaning. 
Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which is really impressive. Right. But sound like they, I mean, but they really like are structured. Like all the words are there. Mm-hmm. Like people who are not native English speakers might not understand why these things don't make sense. Yeah. If they're just like learning the language to I begin think with. Many like many they sound like they should make sense. wouldn't even understand why they don't make sense. That's because, ca- you know what? You're right. That's absolutely true. Because we don't often actually like, like when we are reading, we're often not actually uh, uh, taking in every piece of information on the page we're we're like filling information in mm-hmm. like and I think often that happens when you're talking too. you're like listening to someone you're like oh I know where they're going I know yeah. the kind of thing they're saying and like so you know these only I think often don't make sense when you like actually be like well what does that mean like what is art and what is a the palace of the mind, the palace <laughs> of the mind. oh wait a minute like <laughs> Somehow so I've gotten silly. my head inside my own asshole. How did I get here? <laughs> oh God, that's so good. I want give me more. I want more. You guys are okay. so good at these. I'm just like, um, so enthralled by these. Uh, of the six perspectives, only one can see the whole. <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel like goes really well with your comment of like, how did I suddenly get my head up my own asshole? <laughs> I'm like I. What I love about this is like somehow six. Like six is not an archetypal number. Like people always end up on three or seven Mm -hmm. or ten. Mm -hmm. It's like nope, this one's six. Yep. 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 This one's six. six. Right. It's all in there. Yeah. There's six perspectives, (laughs) and only one of them can see the whole. Oh Oh, god, it's so painfully pointless. Um. Ooh, painfully pointless. Mm-hmm. Also, also, also a, a, a key characteristic of a slippery sophomore. <laughs> yes, painfully pointless. Making a note of that <laughs> criteria. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like. I like that these oh, man. They're like they're so close to being just bad, but they're not even that <laughs> because they don't even make sense. Right. They don't make bad sense. They just make no sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But you're so consistent. I mean, it's really impressive how consistent you are at this. I like that's right, Ned. We're consistent at bullshit. We're so consistently Cheers. bullshitters. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Chink chink. chink. Um, I, Lauren, I like this one that you said. Uh, loving loving with your whole heart requires having a whole. Uh, sorry, having a heart shaped hole. <laughs> you have to say it all together. It's yeah. too funny. Sorry. <laughs> loving again, with your whole heart requires loving. God damn it. <laughs> loving You're with have your to let whole Lauren say it. okay yeah lauren do you remember it loving with your whole heart requires having a heart-shaped hole nice. <laughs> yes. it is hard to say without laughing uh-huh I- I hope that like I genuinely hope that anyone who listens to this somebody who listens to this is a tenth as entertained by this as we are <laughs> because I think it's really funny and i hope other people think it's funny too because i am just getting so much joy out of this it's uh, very entertaining i agree we need i mean this could be the second book (laughs) yeah what about daily we still haven't technically published the first one entirely we're we're real close though but we we are very close and essentially we're done and so we really need to focus on our second book now i think yeah yeah the next art before you're done with the first art yep Got it. I mean, it helps to have a lot of irons in the fire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Creates a lot of thermal mass for your art projects. 
Yes. Right. I mean, that's almost one right there, Meg. <laughs> right? I'm close. Yeah, but it still really kind of makes sense. sense. You it's do really need to work. too clear of a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You need to work on making less <laughs> sense. And then you can join us up on this bullshit hill that we are kings of. <laughs> I'm just rulers. down here looking up at you guys, uh-huh. like handing out life lessons. To have, uh, to have a little have this, insight. <laughs> oh, sorry. Go. Pro- yeah. go. No, go ahead. I was going to say to get some insight into this discussion for our listeners um that was going on in the chat we had um so (laughs) meg is like how are you both skilled at these pointless sayings i can't come up with (laughs) fake names on the spot or i can come up with fake names on the spot which i have to say amazingly good at it meg that Um, is a real skill yeah yeah uh but these sayings are next level flanders country (laughs) i just did it i just did it i don't even know where they came from it's good so good um and so yeah so there's so then i to which i responded i already had one locked and loaded before so i said this is the other one i thought of words only provide meaning when they are read (laughs) and uh that's just untrue and then to answer your question i just said i don't know i just kind of start with some observable concept and then try and link it to something unrelated (laughs) i mean that's a pretty good formula yeah yeah I'm writing that down. To too. enjoy ripening peppers, right. one must first. Uh, you need you need a. Oh, now I was going to try to name what I was doing, narrate what I'm doing, but I think I can't do them both at the same time. Because oh. be like <laughs> to enjoy ripening peppers, one must first uh, sweeten their own, you know, tastes. Yes, see that's a little too. <laughs> It's almost, you have to make it sound like they're connected. You have to like use right. wordplay yeah. to imply. Yeah, like connection. I would like with that one, I'd say like to enjoy ripening peppers, one must listen to the sound of the ground. Oh, <laughs> see, but I think it would be better if you could imply like something around wor- ripening, like oh. the sweetness of the ground. Oh, one must yeah, first and yeah. take in the take sweetness, in the sweetness, of, the sweetness of the ground. The there you oh go. man, that's Solid. very good. Workshop 101. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I go, wait, so... So, uh, so we just created one on there. Right there. The <laughs> one that we throw around a lot is, and I think a lot of this, like, from my mind, like, this is how I arrive at them, is the uh-huh. phrase you can tell because of the way it is. Yes. yes. This phrase has become mm-hmm. a sort of, like, weird battle cry in our lives. Yeah. And the thematic element over since, tw- since 2019. Since 2019, we've been saying this. Yeah. It's very useful. <clears throat> yeah. And explains... Nothing. Like, well, it explains <laughs> nothing. And yet, I think explains a great number of things in life. Like, many things in life are structured that way. Like, many people have arguments that are essentially boiled down to, you can tell because, because of, the of the way, way it, it is. is. Yeah, yeah. No. You know, like, many <laughs> interpersonal many interpersonal relationships could be summed up by, you can tell by the way it is. <laughs> Much of parenting, yeah. Oh God, isn't all of like classic American parenting just on the backbone of you can tell because of the way it is? Yeah. And kids are like, do they know that doesn't Dude, make sense? In fact, when I I told Ned about this when I was flying back from San Diego, I was sitting next to a dad and his kid, and the kid was like messing around with the tray table knob, and he flipped it up, and the tray table like bopped him right in the face because <laughs> yes. he didn't know no. he'd mm-hmm. never t- played with a tray table before. He'd never been on an airplane before, Aww. right? And so the kid like smashes himself in the face with this tray table, and his dad goes, "See, you should ask me before you play with things." And I'm like, "What, what a stupid piece of advice from a parent! What an 
idiotic admonishment. Like that child, your whole MO now, buddy, as a parent is preempting the questions he's too inexperienced to know to ask. That's what parenting is, you asshole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that guy deserves all of these. <laughs> yeah. You can tell because of the way. That's what he should have tell because said. the way it is. Why didn't you ask me before you played with it? Uh, why didn't you anticipate it and be the adult and not mm-hmm. let your kid come in harm's way because you're not paying attention? Asshole. Mm-hmm. Asshole parents on an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> that was the last asshole he thing he really did for the rest of the flight, so that was good. He didn't set his child up to fail in front of me in any other way that I was aware of. Oh, all right. Sometimes they're subtle. I kind of wanted mm-hmm. to tell the kid, though, like, your dad's wrong. He should have stopped <laughs> you before you hurt yourself. I, just, I this seriously is not did. Yeah. I was like, that's this so isn't your fault. unfair yeah. to tell that kid. You should have asked me first. And then, like, somehow it's his fault. Like, mm-hmm. if you had right. asked me first, this wouldn't have happened. I'm just going to walk you. through. I expect my child to walk through the world asking me before they do absolutely everything. everything? It makes no sense. No sense. It's a stupid claim. Yeah. yeah. So yep. I was like, wow, I'm sitting next to a terrible parent. Uh, did I say this one already? Uh, to hold a stone in your hand is to hold the entirety of existence in your thoughts. You did not say it out loud, but I remember reading it. Yes. It's so good. It's so good. Entirety so, yeah. of existence in <laughs> yeah. your thoughts. The annoying thing about all of these for me is that my brain, when you say them, interprets it like a riddle and immediately yes. sets about trying to uh-huh. solve the oh, part of course, that I'm you're missing. like, oh, wait. That's, uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, that's what makes them. I mean, that's what appeals to me about them. Because even my, I'm like, my own brain, even though after I make it up, my brain's like, wait, but what does it mean, though? Uh huh. Like, why? Why am I, why is this, why is this so profound? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, I do really love when I was in school, unsolicited advice for anyone out there, unless you really love writing papers and it comes naturally to you. Mm hmm. If you're going to go to some sort of higher academic institution, mm-hmm. get a theme that you can speak at great length about, but apply to lots of different oh, things. Oh, yes. So the one I sort of settled upon. Nice. Good, nice I didn't advice. mean to do this, but then I realized I had it and I would pull it out all the time in a paper is how the, the human mind wants to find patterns. Oh, yeah. And you can speak on I can speak on it a lot because I can say, well, like as proof to my statement, we can talk about how children and people with mental illness, even when their brains are not fully developed or somehow not functioning correctly, they are still looking to find patterns. Like that's what mm-hmm. makes kid logic so awesome yeah. or often psychic, uh, uh, psychotic breaks so difficult Yeah, is that the, the part that's trying to make sense or find patterns isn't offline. It's the part interpreting information you're still trying to make sense of things you're just doing it off of faulty information Mm -hmm. or in the case of children incomplete information Mm -hmm. so like you could talk about that or you can like talk about this as a universal human trait and it's a function of humanity and then you can apply it to like literature i mean it's just like very applicable and i think it was very handy it could fill several pages by applying this you have like this i like that you have like this quiver full of like academic arrows like whip Mm -hmm. this one out yeah yeah that's great yep i, I mean that. i will point out that i did go to a school that was a catholic institution so there was at least a few papers i had to write that included you know some god stuff mm-hmm. some god stuff some, some god, god stuff, stuff. <laughs> i did have to do some god stuff so this one was nice because you could do god <laughs> stuff or i mean i am technically i don't know is public health the soft sciences 
it's oh. right on the edge of medical, but then it deals with all these like big sociological things I'd say and it's behavior. Like, like practical sociology. It's like an isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Or it's applied not, sociology. It's like applied like sociology or something. It's applied sociology, <clears throat> but it is often based yeah, you actually, know, it's related to medical things. To so be it's honest, real it's, it's an applied medicine. Like it's not I you can't I, I mean, I don't the thing is like I don't think of sociology as not science. Like just just because psychology and sociology may not benefit from like like physics has a huge swath of like we can just apply the scientific method and like really be pretty accurate about it because we're literally talking about like hard physical tangible objects much of the time so they can have a huge body of like non-speculative factual discovery and meanwhile you're like hey you know that nebulous void over here that we don't really know how to define that is the concept of like consciousness and thought and existence and human beings (laughs) and all of those things like like okay we're going to make that a science it's it's much harder we're further <clears throat> behind right like there's fewer footholds it's harder to like apply like i think it's harder to apply like the scientific method still applies it's just much harder to apply it because we know of so much less i think i think i would actually come down and say that public health is soft sciences but almost but then by that same market, I think we also need to push people to accept medicine as a soft science, which I think people don't want to. They want to be like, no, medicine's oh. about fact. And you're like, no, no medicine is about humans. And yep. humans are messy and individual. Yeah. And well, certainly there are some things that can be explained by quote unquote hard sciences, you know, biochemistry or whatever. Mm-hmm. Rarely do things follow rules. If you go into the doctor and you don't fit an exact mm-hmm. ticket, like check this box check this box check this box and your blood says exactly this thing they're like i just don't know what to do with you and then if you're a woman they're like must be nothing's wrong with you it's all in your head and then they send you home in pain you're being hysterical it could be that your uterus is wandering right my uterus is wandering wandering. (laughs) have they you know in ancient egypt they would use um uh herbs that smelled good or or that were bitter or harsh smelling Mm -hmm. or sweet and depending if the uterus had wandered too high or too low they would just put a a a, one of the smelling herbs by your upper opening your mouth or nose Uh and the other one by your lower opening your vagina and then whichever one was the the sweet one right so Uh if your womb if your wandering womb was too high then the bitter ones are by your nose and the sweet ones are by your hoo-ha I love but the reasoning of that. Like it's yes. just sort See, of again, like, it's like it's logic, but yeah. just wrong. <laughs> this is the same logic that's like, well, you give her a rock and put her in a lake, and if she drowns, she right. wasn't a witch. <laughs> she wasn't right. a witch yes. because witches would never drown because mm-hmm. they're witches. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> science. We solved this. With we science. solved it with science. That's so, just a fact. I think. Mm-hmm. I think one of the issues with this art, or this debate about hard and soft sciences is that they're mm-hmm. both basically colloquial terms there's no yes they don't have real that. Yeah, yeah like um from my point of view anything like scientific method can be applied to anything how well and successful you are at doing that really has to do with the individual and the body of work and all of that and like it's totally less. and yes. that's why i just argue that like thinking of psychology and sociology and political sciences soft sciences is garbage we should yeah. think of all of them as hard sciences. We're just not a, as far along, maybe, as it seems like we are in some of the traditional, quote, hard sciences. That's, I mean. Yeah. 
Listen to this. So I found this. I don't know what Riviere University is or Riviere University. Yeah, I don't but either. Actually. I've never heard of it. But they have an interesting, I looked this up, they have an interesting description of public health. Um, they say it's defined as the practice in, of demonstration and research that prevents disease, prolongs life, and promotes health by public and private organizations, communities, individuals, and society at large. Um, and so public health endeavors generally consist of multidisciplinary teams of public health professionals who intervene in order to improve health and quality of life through the prevention of disease and promotion of healthy behaviors. I so, would say that's pretty good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like subfields of public health include environmental health, community health, epidemiology, global health, and health policy and management. So in other words, like nobody said anything about doctors of medicine. So I think like sometimes biostatistics get add, gets oh, added yeah. in there too. Um, but yes, it, it, I mean, I think that's, that's pretty good. Um, I always really liked, uh, uh, public health being contrasted against medicine as like medicine is about, um, a particular body in front of you, right? And, you know, right. the health or impairment or ailment of this particular person, whereas public health is about, you know, it's kind of excuse me, the opposite. It's not specific. It is general. It is about mm. a right. population, a community. Right. Um, and that public health, one of the things I like about it is built on these like, you know, super socialist values that for yeah. the most part, the things that actually determine or are hugely influential in our health are not things we have individual control over. Mm -hmm. Like one individual right. cannot guarantee that they have access to safe drinking water right one individual cannot guarantee they have access to safe food to clean mm -hmm. air mm -hmm. like these are all things that are beyond one person and can be aided or impeded by others yeah like mm -hmm. they speak to our nature as a collective yeah species yeah that's really interesting you're you're totally right about that i hadn't really thought about it specifically in those terms I mean, or poverty or, I mean, like any number of other things. I mean, mm -hmm. then we have like access, we have racism, we have all these other things that uh, totally affect our health. Right. But often, again, these are things that we can't, and people love to, you know, sort of in the American thing, be like, no, it's about living right. And it's like, yeah, yeah, but like you can live as right as you want. And if somebody like takes a dump in your drinking water, like you're probably going to get sick. Yeah. Yeah. Like right. it doesn't matter how. It's outside of your personal control. Right. Exactly. You're, it's not, it's not behavior dependent to you solely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Uh, I don't know. We, they're all hard science. <laughs> oh, my point was merely that uh, perhaps I had more reason to, to talk about universal human traits and like, oh, the yeah. dignity of human life and, yeah. mm -hmm. and you know, using this pattern recognition thing uh, because I was, I was in a, a field that, you know, cared about the dignity of human life <laughs> you know like the soft sciences uh-huh oh that's great <laughs> here's a um uh here's one uh grass only grows on the sunlit side of the fence mm -hmm. oh. <laughs> the fence is really important in that statement uh-huh i feel like yeah that's really it yeah you really need like, if that meaning. fence wasn't there yes, right right everything would be fine, fine. yeah that's the fence is universal. We can imagine a world without fences, right? We need fences. Tall fences make good neighbors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, this comes around to uh, Chesterton's fence a little bit. Oh my gosh, yes. Uh, I don't think I know Chesterton. Yeah, Chesterton's Let fence. Us edify you, please. Do. Yeah. So Chesterton's fence is one of my favorite concepts. Um, 
I'm going to look it up so I can read the um, the quote. But uh, essentially, the idea uh, is that reform should not be made until the the reasoning behind the existing state of affairs is understood. Mm. So like if you just are wandering around and you find this like fence that's there and you're not sure why there's a fence and you're like doesn't appear to be doing anything but you don't know you shouldn't probably take the fence down <laughs> just leave the fence sure yeah sure and mm. or figure out why the fence is there before you take it down yeah like his uh so this um this guy chesterton uh from um uh gilbert keith chesterton wrote a book called the thing in 1929 or published it in 1929 i believe um, and the quote from the book is pretty great, or I, I mean, it's a little long-winded, but it, I think it gives us a lot to chew on. Do uh, we love long-winded things? Yeah. It says in the matter of reforming things as distinct from deforming them, there is one plain and simple <laughs> principle, a principle, which probably, which will probably be called a paradox. There exists in such a case, a certain institution or a law, let us say for the sake of simplicity, a fence or gate er erected across a road. The more modern type of reformer goes gaily up to the up to it and says, I don't see the use of this. Let us clear it away. To which the more intelligent type of reformer will do well to answer, if you don't see the use of it, I certainly won't let you clear it away. Go away and think. Then when you come back and tell me what that you see the use of it, I may allow you to destroy it. So Okay, when you say it like that, I, I, that feels like it has much more weight. The initial, the way I described the, it. No, I was going to say that one is more nuanced. Yes. Yeah. And so my initial thought in hearing it is, I kind of get this, but it seems like it could be easily abused, and in fact, often is. Like, because it seems like a hop, skip, and a jump. It could easily morph into well, we've always done it that way. Mm. Oh, sure. Well, and I think that's um, that's part of the nuance of it that makes it so important to understand. Right. Is that yeah, yeah. It's not, um, this isn't an argument for preservation of... Exactly. ...of, like, tradition. This is an argument for understanding the reasoning. Like, like seeing... It, this is an argument for context. This is an argument for, you know, don't act mm -hmm. until you have context. Like, mm -hmm. if you don't know why that fence is there... But why, though? Yeah. Then, <laughs> well, actually, what I first heard... I'm sorry, please continue now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, that's that's it. If you don't know why the fence is there, then, you know, maybe consider the context Don't do shit first. unless. Like, you know... Well, I yeah. first heard it as an argument for... Uh, uh, what did you say? Continuation? Oh. Context. Considering context. the context. No. Oh, no. Okay. Before that, you had said this isn't an argument for... Oh, this isn't an argument for uh, the continuation of... Con it was um, continuation. Uh, so well, I think you yeah. could just summarize it as, like I first heard, or my response is, I first heard that as an argument for continuation. Right. But mm. then with context, I actually think that it's an argument for, like often, whatever the opposite of continuation Well, like the be. requirements for change. Cessation. Mm, that's such oh. a good word. Cessation. Cessation. Oh. Well, reform. Yeah. Right, because reform, it's not its not like deformation. It's not that we're just destroying shit. It's like we're changing. But why can't we destroy it? Can we burn the fence down? Well, you might be destroying the fence. I mean, you but, can. <laughs> but the concept of reform is more about in the context of the whole picture, right? Like, you're, like it's not just a fence. It's a fence and a road 
in a county where people are going like traveling down the road and so to, keep, to take them to the source of clean water that's farther away from the human cesspit right right i mean and so the point is like destruction back in. like yeah. there's yeah. destruction in destroying the fence but just <laughs> removing the fence is reform of the system like yes. uh, my point is like there's a whole system and so understanding yes. why something is in place in the system before reforming it as opposed to destruction where you're just destroying the system, right? Like you're just. So I think what you're describing right now is yeah. the conundrum that I face in my um, contemporary struggles with the game that I'm playing SimCity for. <laughs> <laughs> um, my problem is that I am not limiting my scale up. And so I haven't figured out a system that works and then scaled it up yet. I just keep making these systems that grow and then topple and I can't figure out how to fix that. But don't all systems top like aren't No, you can totally do like scalable managed growth. I just haven't figured out the secret yet. And I've been cheating the whole time. I've been like <laughs> dumping thousands of dollars into my like city coffers and it's not helping. I'm just hemorrhaging money constantly. I see. I see. Um I, And but, so like okay. But would things that work on a large scale by design also work on a small scale? No. Yeah. No. So wouldn't you need a model to begin the growth and then change it once the growth well, passes right. a certain point? That's my point. Like oh, I haven't sorry. even gotten to the point of having a successful minor model before I mm. scale it up. And so I haven't found anything that works on any scale yet at all. And I've dumped hours of my life into but have this you, game. But question, have you tried communism? <laughs> I tried selling my soul to the devil and putting a nuclear missile testing range nearby that they paid me money for in my town. And even that didn't help. Even that didn't well, help. No. I, I mean, what if you took a whole class of people and like convinced <laughs> everybody? Them? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, you're going to be the supporters right. and you're going to support all the good things uh -huh. that these yeah. other people get to have. My understanding, uh, having played several versions of SimCity, and yeah. I think I've only maybe touched on SimCity 4. I don't think I've played it very much. Um, it's really complicated. Yeah, but my <laughs> experience, yeah, as it turns, turns out, out, building whole societies, the game, real complicated. Yeah, also the way guess. the game is built and programmed, um, it is not, it doesn't lend itself to stability. Like, no, because that doesn't That's actually, yeah, like it's designed. The gameplay is designed to keep you coming back and tweaking and modifying and continuing right. to like, like be, have a dynamic play experience because if you can just set up a system that continues to run independently of, of you, the player, mm -hmm. then I think their reasoning is like, that's not a fun game. Now I'm not sure there may be balanced met like systems that you can set up in that game. I'm not sure. I know in the original one, there's a couple of ones like that, that you can basically set up that run away with themselves. Like they basically just like, once yeah. you kind of have the system set up and you have the right zone set up, then it's sort of a balanced equation and everything kind of keeps going. Um, yes, that's the state that I have yet to achieve. Yeah. And but it I'm, seems like the game designers would be, it would be in their interest to make that hard to impossible to achieve. Yes. Right. Yeah. Cause they, the, yeah. the idea is that you want to keep coming back and tweaking with it and not just right. having this thing that you can just do whatever with. Um, I don't know that they've, they've reasoned that out or not. I've, I haven't read about that one. Like different versions have different level, like various takes on that um depending yeah. on who the program is this one i think is the rush hour edition it's mm -hmm. like the special edition um so i think that there may be 
a focus to this game that I'm not necessarily indulging correctly. Yeah, right. You know what right. I'm saying? About cars. Well, I and think roads. that transportation specifically have mm. features much more heavily in this version of SimCity than I'm used to, mm -hmm. and that may be where I'm fucking up. Like my right. cities may be failing because I'm not indulging the fact that there are like 400 different types of transportation. Well, that's a gross exaggeration, but there's like there's like six, six or seven I can remember off the top of my head different types of mm -hmm transit that you can put in and because th because this version of SimCity is so much more complicated than the the four past versions or the versions even on Super Nintendo that I used to play that I got really really good at because they were much less complex um I didn't I'd misunderstood the complexity of the game or didn't appreciate it when I first started out mm -hmm. and so because there's so many overwhelming layers and layers and layers of detail to this game like you actually have to run um water and power to everything mm. like you have to tunnel the the waterways to people's like houses and businesses and stuff so there's like there's subterranean you have to do all kinds of like terrace terrascaping landscaping uh terraforming you move mountains and shit i mean it's really complicated from start to finish and so like i got really overwhelmed with the amount of things that i had to keep track of and so i didn't i was not at all strategic about the types of roads that I used, I put the same roads in everywhere. And mm -hmm. then it just became impassable as a city because it couldn't actually support the type of population that the city requires mm -hmm. to be um, functional and have enough revenue to continue to grow. And so, like I said, I kind of like max out, like I have this insane growth and then I have these reactive cycles where I'm putting in houses and then because of the houses I need more industrial and because of the industrial and the houses I need more commercial and so I'm just always anyway this is a really boring conversation for a podcast unless you love SimCity <laughs> or the history of cities I feel like if there was somebody here with <laughs> a certain kind of specialized um, knowledge yeah uh, they could come in and give us real life examples of cities that followed these different principles right? so like yes. I would love it if someone could be like oh what you're describing is the growth cycle of Baltimore right. I don't know yeah like you know there's got to be cities that learn these things the hard way yeah. I was gonna tie it back to sewers because like I don't know if it's because I'm in public health which came first the chicken or the egg public yeah. health or the love of sewers but sewers right. sewers are freaking amazing yep. it's pretty amazing if you really get into them yeah and then you look at cities that added sewers that didn't have sewers mm -hmm. and the ways they added them Super fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Chicago. Yep. Let's just raise the whole city right. by <laughs> by two. I looked it up once. It's on a, a gradual. So because of their water table. So uh -huh. they didn't just raise the whole city by, say, eight feet. They raised the whole city by like two to 12 feet, depending Whoa. on. They didn't just add sewers, but they uh, created grade. Oh, my for God. For the entire city. Because I did not their know drainage that. place, yeah, because their drainage, because the city was like at sea level sure. and they needed to drain to a place at sea level. So they, they had to put, so, it's so they gotta put go somewhere. in skewer, sewers. And so in some places you're digging them out and in other places you're, you're building, building up, up. Um, so that the sewers are at the right grade. Interesting. So, super. It made it even, even cooler. Civil, civil wow. engineering is kind of an amazing, amazing thing. Um, and probably very relevant to SimCity. Oh, how do civil engineers play SimCity? I'm sorry. I don't know, but I now know one and I should ask her. And this is should. this is where, um, to Just kind of bring it back a little bit Possibly. to what we were talking about before, it's like this is where I think things like sociology and history and psychology are 
they meld with things that are real practical applications. Exactly. Like, like public health and um, civil planning and civil engineering and all of these things where it's like, you know, what the fuck do you do with a mass of people who are trying to live together and have their lives? Like, how do you raise the raise everybody up to a mm-hmm. point where it's like we're not dying of dysentery? Yeah. <laughs> and like in talking, like this is something that came up in a conversation with people who were counsel academics who were counseling me about how I could continue in academia in ways that would work for me. Um, but like the point was made that like basically like getting a PhD or a high level masters, but really like, I think they were thinking PhD in something like public health mm-hmm. or economics yep. or education yeah. are all functionally about the same thing. Yeah. And I think most people would not make that. So most people would not be like economics, like, that's about money. It's like, no, it's no. about human behavior. Yes. Right. All yeah. of these 100%. things are about the human money doesn't behavior. move itself, although we're getting right. there. But I mean, that's kind right. of <laughs> <laughs> it will. It, it will. will. I mean, but then at that point, it has no bearing on it. I mean, or I don't know. I mean, that's a sorry. I, I'm distracted by this other thing that I just read. Um, What's the, what you should so, tell us. Okay. Tell us so right speaking now. of slippery sophistry, um, <laughs> <laughs> let me. Uh, Let's see. Let me find. Um, I just want to. Okay. So uh, tell like this one is. I Okay. So this is from a Yogi T. An mm. actual quote from a Yogi T. tag. Yes. Okay. Even better. Like one minute. Inspiration comes full circle. Yeah. One minute of laughing equals one hour of life. And now I have so many questions about sense? this. Yeah, is, well, it, it is that one hour of one minute of laughing is like one hour I of should life? never laugh again because every time I laugh, like if I laugh for a minute, I use up a whole hour of my life. <laughs> well, but I would be like, I want to die sooner. I had a totally, life is insufferable. Yes, God, I, I'll never laugh I'll again. Never laugh so again. I can die sooner. I had this terrible idea as soon as you said that that like the extra time <laughs> that you're accumulating by yeah. like laughing, you're actually adding time onto the end of your life where right. the quality yes. is the worst. Right. Yes, this right. is the whole <laughs> argument of smoke. <laughs> I know smokers yeah. that are like, I don't need extra years. So there's a shitty ones at the end. <laughs> oh, dear me. I would like, uh, but to don't smoke. It's bad for your health. Don't smoke. Yeah. It's so hard to quit. <laughs> God damn it. Did you ever used to smoke and had to quit? No. Ned and I smoked and both quit. Oh, fucking oh man. Rough. I, I, I don't know this, but I feel like I am more resistant to I've been able to smoke tobacco at many times throughout my life and, and I've not. never felt addicted. I've never had any issue. I've been able to pick it up and set it down. I feel like I've never had problems with caffeine addiction. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not saying that I'm immune to addiction. That's not what I mean. But I like it yeah. just feels like there's some things that a lot of people are like, oh man, they yeah. describe addictions with these things. And it's like, I feel like I can pick them up and put them down. I do yeah. really enjoy several types of tobacco product, but not on anything like a regular basis. And mm-hmm. addicted sounds terrible. Having to do it yes. or feeling discomfort, like having to spend, like I, it means that I can buy, like the few times I've bought cigarettes in my life, I went to a fancy store and I was like, sell me a pack of cigarettes that I've likely never smoked before. And they were yeah. like, ah, here's this kind weird, from Turkey weird or cigarettes. whatever. They yeah. all had beautiful packages. But oh, like, for sure. 
you know, I could spend a lot of money on something yes. and then like I wouldn't even smoke all of it. I'd like have a couple and then I'd give them away. That's then, how I right. did it yeah. too, yeah. I, I mean, there was a time when I used to smoke a lot more. Like I, when we were younger, when we first started smoking, we would never be without cigarettes. Like somebody would always get them and then we yeah. would all share them. And then like throughout my 20s, I, I kind of always had cigarettes around, but I was not like my friends who were like, I can't do anything until I have my first cigarette of the day. Or like, yeah. I wake up thinking about cigarettes. I'm like, what? I can't smoke till like afternoon for sure. Like I can't, I can't do it first thing. And so I, like, like you, I've been able to pick it up and put it down. <laughs> and it took me a while to just get to the point where, cause I smoked it. I smoked so infrequently that I was like, it's probably not going to kill me. Mm -hmm. And so I had less of an incentive, I feel like, than people who are regular smokers or who sure. are addicted. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, well, you know, addicted people are like, I can quit anytime. And I'm like, I actually can. I just really like it. Sure. And so, like, I, I think one time when uh, Ned, I was at your house, I was waiting for what I knew was going to be a really annoying phone call that ultimately never came. And the whole time I was just like, you know, pacing up and down waiting for this. And I was like, I'm going to smoke a cigarette. This is going to be a terrible idea. And, I, and it totally was. <laughs> <laughs> totally was. Totally it was, was a horrible idea. Oh, yeah. This is awful. Uh, the thing that really made me be like, okay, I'm just gonna not do it anymore. Like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, yeah, not smoke anymore. Was when a friend of ours who's in his seventies had a heart attack, largely from smoking. Yeah, and I was like, okay, I pro I will, I will do it with you. Like, if it will help you, I will not do it at all the whole time. You're not doing it at all. Mm -hmm. And so, for the most part, I stuck to that. I don't feel terrible about myself if I occasionally like bum a smoke off somebody at this point, but also I'm so used to not smoking now that even a little bit of nicotine makes me feel fucking terrible. Yeah. Mm. It's not like when I used to smoke regularly and I'm like, oh, I've missed mm -hmm. cigarettes, but it's been so such a short amount of time that I'm still able to like process this. Sure. I can't. It's like it's like I'm a person who never, ever smoked before at this point. I can't even stand it. Yeah. And the and interestingly, when other people are smoking, the smell of it no longer makes me go, ooh, I want a cigarette. It makes me go, oh, God, I hate the smell of cigarettes. Like, secondhand mm -hmm. smoke bothers me again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it didn't used to when I was a smoker. Like, it wasn't great, but it wasn't like, oh, I can't. Something about, I don't know, maybe it's epigenetic, to be honest with you. Like, maybe something switches on or switches off, depending on. I assumed it was associ how, associative. I don't that know. you had associate like because that's always a thing I'm pushing in in the public health realm like because mm -hmm. it's about behavior often is like that that I feel like it's so easy to approach things from this you know kind of bs quote-unquote hard science standpoint of uh -huh. like we just need to give people the facts it's like oh, right. you really think nobody knows that smoking's bad for them are you right. shitting me right. everybody no, knows it's... that like so more information like clearly this isn't... problem does not originate from a lack of knowledge right. therefore how is giving them knowledge that they already have going to solve this problem well and it allows you conveniently to be a big fat neoliberal oh, about yeah. it and be like well it's your fault now if you can't figure this out because we gave you all the information and the tools and you just decided you weren't strong enough to enact your willpower to quit like it's, it's judgmental. all your fault it's judgmental mm -hmm. and it makes no sense and it it's makes perfect no sense. it's perfect <laughs> slippery soffits they're just like public health messages right um, <laughs> That's judgmental uh, and it makes no sense. Don't have sex. Yeah. Um, or whatever. Right. Uh, just say no. Just say no. What? Uh, I mean, this is, I think cigarettes it served are, a function. Yeah. So go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I think cigarettes are a good example of um, like that kind of age old problem of uh, reward and detriment. I mean, because I don't, mm -hmm. it's not punishment. It's, it's just like positive and negative mm -hmm. outcomes 
being so like being so skewed in time that it's very hard to mm-hmm. fundamentally like even though we, you know most of us walking around have some level of rationality at any given moment um like sometimes more sometimes but always less. less than we probably think oh yeah i mean definitely for me i'm like you know most of the time i'm like oh that was a baser instinct that i just spent most of my day chasing down whatever like you know um <laughs> But Where'd all those cookies go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but cigarettes are like a good example of that, right? Where it's like yeah. the immediate reward is so rewarding, and mm-hmm. the negative or the negative the cost. The negative like cost. cost yeah, the cost of it is so, so high, but so delayed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's absolutely one of the points. And so, and even even when the cost comes even closer in temporal, like temporally, like to the point where it's like, oh, if I have a big drinking night and I know that if I smoke like all 20 cigarettes in this pack, I'm going to oh feel really horrible. <laughs> I don't but, think I would survive. At but this point. I, I think can I see would you die. feeling it in your body as I Meg am. is describing. I'm watching Meg's whole body language. Oh. I can just see it ripple of like, Oh God, I feel it. Yeah. And yet, and you yet for many people that's still not far enough, like close enough to be yep. yeah. a cost, right? Because the mm-hmm. reward is still right at the beginning. Yes. And because we are, I think, less rational than we always think we are. And one of the things that we're humans are terrible at evaluating risk. Like it's just pretty well established that like we think we can evaluate risk, but we really are Mm -mm. bad at it. Mm -hmm. And and in part, like there's this concept in in learning, um, and I learned about it from my mother, who's a dog trainer. But I think it has principles beyond that. <laughs> um, but I like pointing that out because, like, we're all just really animals. But like, one of the most effective kinds of reward for continuing behavior is inconsistent reward. So if you ah, get something but you don't get it all the time, you're gonna keep trying. You're gonna keep trying, and I feel like that is also related to this risk thing of like, well, this thing. Will, probably happen but it might not mm-hmm. like it's there's it's a, like an inverse side. exactly like yep. i might avoid sure there's a risk sure one in two people who are sexually active will get an sti which is a sexually transmitted infection at some point in their life mm-hmm. one in two half of everybody who's sexually active will get an sti at some point and yet most people are like well it's not gonna happen to me <laughs> right it's gonna happen to somebody else right it's not gonna happen to me because I'm me. I'm right? actually I'm surprised me. it's that low because there are so many. Uh, like, yes, actually, classically STIs are hard to report on because there's a bunch that are one. There's shame, so people are less likely to report on mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the oh, here's a terrible. Here's a slippery Ooh. soffit. The most common symptom is no symptom at all. <sighs> then no. it's not a fucking symptom. Right. <laughs> Sorry, yes. I work in sex education. We say this all the time. It's easy. It like rolls off the tongue. It is true that if you add up. Like if you asked people like a list of symptoms and included no symptoms, yes. the most common thing you'll get is no, no symptom, symptoms, but then it's not a symptom. That right. is the, the lack of the absence of a symptom. Right. So then this leads to educators asking rooms full of kids of like, well, do you know what the most common symptom is? And they're going to list itching, burning when you pee, yeah. sores, pus, like all these gross things. Yeah. And then you have to be like, ah, it's no symptom at all. And then they all look at you like you're an idiot because they're like, yeah, that's not a fucking you symptom. Are. I mean, <laughs> right? yeah. I feel like you're setting me up to fail. Yes. That was a trick question. That was a trick question. Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. But yes. And so then also because uh, people can have them and not know it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, very common. And um, 
Uh, there's a number of uh, STIs that when you go to the doctor and you say, test me for STIs, most doctors, if you pay attention, they will say, well, which ones? Wh- right, which ones And do then you you'll be like, well, out. I don't know all of them. And then they'll be like, oh, well, we can test you for chlamydia, um, gonorrhea, syphilis, and HIV. Right. Um, H- probably is HPV what PV maybe mm, maybe usually not. There not is men, no for sure. It's a blood is, test, right? No, no. Uh, HPV is um, a pap smear. Oh. They take a cervical sample. There is no um, commercial or public clinical uh, like there's no commercial test for people with penises for HPV. There is a test they use it for scientific studies, which uh-huh. is why yep. we do have some nut, uh, studies on HPV, but. Anybody with a penis who goes to the doctor cannot just get tested for HPV, which means that half of the population, roughly, doesn't can't know if they have HPV. So yep. HPV is herpes simplex, right? No. no. HPV is um, uh, human papillomavirus. Oh. That's what Gardasil is a vaccine for. And some, there's many different strains, strains of HPV. Okay. Um, one strain causes warts, so genital warts is one strain of HPV. HPV can also cause cancers. Yes. Mm -hmm. Genital cancers and throat cancers. Interesting. Um, So people with penises can get cancers from HPV, but there's not really a test for it. Uh, Herpes, which is HSV. One and two. HSV1 or HSV2. Simplex virus, right. Mm -hmm. Yes, Simplex virus. That is wrong acronym, Meg. Oh, well, I Um, mean, you know, there's a lot of Vs. That that, that, that one has it. You can get a blood test for that, right? Oh, Oh, good old herpes. That's that's my wheelhouse jam because it just defies all of the teaching we have around STI. Even yeah. educators, even professional ed- educators don't have great answers for how to handle herpes or HSV. Mm-hmm. So you can, the most common type of test for um, HSV, which is what I'm going to use because herpes has a lot of stigma. Yeah. Um, is uh, a culture, which means if you have an active sore, they take some and they culture it. And Uh then from there, they see what happens. But if you don't have an active sore, Mm -hmm. and as we already mentioned... Yeah, a lot of times you <laughs> most don't. common symptoms, no symptom at all, right? Yeah. Since many people present asymptomatically, mm-hmm. those people that's not an option, right? There is a test then for antibodies in the blood. Okay, but if you get a positive antibodies test, they can't tell you where you were infected, and HSV is transmitted by skin to skin contact. Mm-hmm. HSV one is most commonly. Uh, infected and show symptoms in the mouth or yep. around the mouth, yep. but it can infect the genitals. Mm-hmm. HSV2 uh, most commonly infects the genitals. Theoretically, it's possible in the mouth, but my understanding from the research I've been able to do is that, that it really doesn't. Mm. So uh, if you have an infection in your mouth, it's mm-hmm. almost certainly HSV1. If you have an infection in your genitals, it could be one or two. But it... Mm. and most likely is to not, not increasingly it's changing uh, oh, we're wow. seeing much we're seeing a much much higher rate of infection of hsv1 in genitals interesting it's maybe Oral it's sex. adapting oh many people i've also made the argument that it's because of increased uh, because we, behavior change behavior in the population changes. that makes right. a lot of sense which would the most likely cause would be somebody with an infection in their mouth putting right. their mouth in someone else's genitals right and so because then and it's very, very unlikely, but because the virus travels through nerves, it can 
present symptoms or symptomatically, i.e. sores yes. at the other end of the nerve cluster that yes. it's infecting. So like if you got infected on your genitals, mm -hmm. one termination of that nerve cluster would be like on your lower back. Mm -hmm. Now, again, that's not super common, but it can happen. So with yeah. an antibodies test, the doctor now can't tell you where you're infected. Right. Um, if it's HSV2, we can say it's probably your genitals. Mm -hmm. But if it's HSV1, it could be. And many people get HSV1 not through sexual behavior. Like a huge chunk of the population has it and many people get it in childhood. Like a parent could kiss or a relative could kiss yes. a young person on their face or near their mouth and they could get it from that. And that person would have it for life. Yes. And maybe never know. I was born with HSV1. Sure. And it's very common for people to get it in childhood or be born with it. I also had uh, glandular fever when I was in high school that mm. knocked my ass out for a month. Oof. And when you come down, when you're diagnosed with Guillain-Barre, that mm -hmm. is that, yeah. that's the same pathogen. Yep. And it's uh, a, a, a front-running culprit in my current neurological difficulty. Uh-huh. Sure. That I, I probably got a nerve infection in I was my say, head, because they infect, in my cranial nerves, yeah, because I already nerve. had it, and mm -hmm. I was at a like a like a immune system low point or something, right. and mm -hmm. just got it flared up, and it decided to flare up in one half of my skull, oh, <laughs> and man. it's still there. Oh. Uh, but like I'm friends with somebody who had Guillain-Barre, mm -hmm. and the two of us have like incredibly similar symptoms, except she was much more unlucky than me in that I landed with it in one half of my head and she was paralyzed oh. her whole body. Like she oh. couldn't, she woke up one morning and couldn't move and was just like in excruciating pain everywhere because oh all of God, her nerves were like- waking up that way. Yeah. So I can't even imagine because I barely made it through what I'm living through. Um, and she has to have these really interesting like devices, not so much anymore because she's getting better, but that would actually stretch because she was- she was so contorted because mm -hmm. of her nerves mm -hmm. um, that all of her muscles contorted. And so she's had to like re-stretch all of her oh, fingers yeah. and toes uh -huh. and how her ankles, like anywhere that there's a joint, it had to be restretched over time. It's taken years for her to just be able to walk again. Rehabil rehabilitation yeah. has got to be just. And that was just, you know, like a fucking glandular fever. Like you get mm -hmm. it, like you just pick it up. My brother and I both had mono in high school. We had it at basically, I think, the same time. Mm -hmm. We live in the same house. I'm sure we like drank out of the milk carton or something. And uh, he see, this is why your parents tell almost, you not to drink out of milk carton. I know carton. <laughs> it's true. You're a you're a disease vector, you, whoever you are, living with other people. Um, Just so by yourself. My brother didn't get hardly sick at all. He mm -hmm. had no symptoms. He wasn't tired, and I was wow. essentially unconscious for a yeah. month of my life, and ate maybe a bowl of cereal. I lost tons of weight yeah and i missed all of my ap tests senior year yeah i missed like the last six weeks of school essentially it was crazy mm. i could i have never been so exhausted in my life it was like indescribable exhaustion like how can i be this tired and still alive and did you have the neck stuff where you like couldn't no okay. i didn't have any of the weird neck stuff but i will give you the details of my average day when i was sick with this i would wake up <laughs> I would sit on the Damn edge of life. my bed to get dressed because uh -huh. I couldn't stand, stand up, up and get dressed. I didn't right. have enough energy. Once I was dressed, I would sit there for a little while and like store up some Recover. energy. 
then I would walk out of my room and make it halfway down the stairs and sit and rest. Yeah. And then I would make it the rest of the way down the stairs and put on like my outerwear. And then my I would drive my brother to school. And then oh I would come God. home and I would eat a bowl of cereal. And then I would make it halfway up the stairs and have to wait. And then I would make it oh. all the way up the stairs to the top of the floor, uh, the second floor. And my cat would come sit with me and I would just fall asleep sprawled out at the top of the stairs because oh that's word. as far yeah. as I could get. And that was okay because then around 2.30 in the afternoon, my mom would call the house phone, which would wake <laughs> me up and she'd go go pick up the brother and which point I would eat a little more, oh. go pick him up from school, come home and sleep until the next morning. Oh my word. And that's yeah. all it was. It was like maybe a composite hour and a half of consciousness yeah. during a 24 hour cycle mm -hmm. and like just enough calories to keep me from starving to death. Yeah. Like it was nuts. And I couldn't like, uh, I didn't have crazy swollen glands or anything. Mm -hmm. I just was sitting at school one day and I was like, I can't fucking stay awake. Right. And I'm not a person who usually falls asleep mm -hmm. during stuff. I'm actually, you know, I'm, I'm interested enough to stay engaged. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I don't, something's wrong with me that I can't stay awake. And when they tested me for mono and told me once I realized that there was actually a reason for how shitty I was feeling, then it just all bets were off. Like I mm -hmm. just let it happen. And I wasn't like, I mean, I'm just feeling a little tired. Like no ding dong, your whole fucking system's shutting down. And that's probably why at 35 well, well, years busy. old, I got like, super fucked up. It's yeah. busy. It's fighting. Yeah. Like your immune system is you have just no energy yeah. left over for like basic functions. Like it's mm -hmm. all just cellular respiration at that. Exactly. Point. Yeah. It's trying to maintain Crazy. homeostasis and, yeah. and fight off like and just hold the infection at bay or yeah. whatever. It was nuts. I, I So twice in my life, because when I got really sick with my neurological condition, the first month of that too, I was barely awake. I mean, mm -hmm. I, Laura and David came over, mm -hmm. some friends of ours, and they sat on that set of stairs right there in my living room for several hours and talked to me. And I don't remember any of it because yeah. I was half asleep or just like mm -hmm. had so little energy to deal with what was going on outside of my physical form that I just did. I was like, months later they mentioned it and I was like, you were here. I do remember that. Oh my gosh, you were in wow. my house. The whole month of December just disappeared. Just gone. December of 2015, oh, gone. Word. Totally gone. Yeah. Well, so the thing, the other thing with herpes then is so doctors don't do, even though there's an antibody test, mm -hmm. because so many people do have HSV-1. Yeah. And they may not have it on their genitals. Yeah. And without an outbreak, they can't tell. Right. They kind of don't want to do antibody tests because if you get a positive result, people are going to be really upset. Herpes is super stigmatized. Right. People yeah. are, it is really troubling for people. And so you're going to risk real negative side effects or outcomes. People are going to be highly distressed. Yes. And then all the doctor can, the doctor can tell you almost nothing. Right. Because the, the, uh, you can't, herpes is a, or HSV is a, an infection that's technically with you for life. There is some evidence to indicate that eventually some people's immune systems can Clear functionally it possibly Maybe. pass the, the virus it's not impossible it's not hypothetically a, right there's but we tell people that it's a, an infection for life right and so because you're not going to clear this virus now you're you're you can still engage in lots of activities but you maybe want to take extra precautions to avoid transmission except the precautions are all about um uh, using physical barriers or not touching at the infection site. And if we don't know where the infection site is, we now can't tell you, mm -hmm. is the issue kissing? Is it, is right. it, 
is it on your is it on your genitals right. where on your genitals is it right um like our genitals are a whole region <laughs> in in which in, in which prefect of the genital right, region because many of the barriers we have are more effective like if someone had a penis and their infection was on the head of their penis well yeah. condoms would be a great way to protect that right if that infection was on their scrotum and their perineum depending on the kind of activities they have that That's might be much gonna, harder yeah there's not as much coverage there yes Oh, I thought of one other thing. The same. So most people don't get tested for HSV. Right. That's the short answer. Okay. And I I wanted to give that whole story so people aren't like stupid doctors. I still think doctors could do a better job of explaining things, but I do kind of get why they don't want to test people unless you have an outbreak. No, that makes a lot of sense because if there's nothing that you can do about it and if it's there but not presenting any symptoms and people are not having any kind of like debilitating effects Mm -hmm. of it, then telling them and freaking them out is going to make things worse than before, which is not something that you should do. That's unsupportable in biomedical ethics. It's impermissible. Yeah. It's so impermissible. You, okay, you understand that. I but do, most yeah. people, when I like, as an educator, it's like, well, go get tested. And then I'm like, oh, but there's this, several diseases that they're not going to test you for. There's trichom- uh, trichomoniasis. Yes. Which most people don't get tested for. Yeah. But yeah. it's highly, again, it's highly, highly curable. Well, but it's also highly curable. Oh, yeah. Because it's, it's just parasitic. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, again, like, you could argue from a biomethics or a, a medical ethics standpoint, yeah. like, well, then what's the point of the test? You just wait until somebody has symptoms and right. then you give them the treatment and then you right. don't need to stick things up their urethra, which... Ouch! Yeah. Um, it's mostly for people with penises. The same... Right. Not uh, the, not who are not excited about having yeah. it happen, as right. I have heard. Yeah. <laughs> In my unofficial <laughs> studies. Um, I don't know from first-hand experience, but I'm told. I'm told. So many are resistant to the, this test. The same, the same pathogen that does mono and herpes and Guillain-Barre is also responsible for pox. multiple sclerosis. Ah, it turns out, and chickenpox, and chickenpox, and shingles, simplex virus. Yeah. yeah, there's a bunch of. So here's a dumb thing. If you've had chicken pox, you can get a vaccine against shingles because it's very likely if you've had chicken pox that you're going to pop up with shingles someday. But they won't give that vaccine to people under 50. And I'm like, why are you making people wait? And I wonder how this then what about people who've just had the chicken pox vaccine? Because Because now I think the vaccine for chicken pox might block you from having shingles in the future because Uh, you're heading it off the past. I don't know this for sure, but that is my suspicion. I, I, I can't I don't know the data, but I can speculate, which is that this is actually a public health issue, right? Where it's like the problem is, is that if you offer it like someone had to weigh the negative and positive outcomes, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And if you give it to somebody who is under 50, say, and the vaccine isn't as effective over time, I'm I'm this is pure speculation. I don't know if this is right. true. If it isn't effective over time, then when it comes time where they might actually contract shingles need it yeah it's no longer effective whereas the 50 line is that good balance between it's going to be more effective for more people in the population and that's the this is the problem right like when you're dealing with populations it's great for the population it sucks for those individuals who fall exactly. outside of that mm-hmm. um, I think, and then you're also weighing what are the I negative think, potential negative outcomes too yeah. so who's going to suffer more from a shingles and infection i think there's also that's right i think that that's a huge part here a huge component because most people will not have an eruption of shingles until after the age of 50 exactly and so it seems largely pointless to vaccinate 
people under the age of 50 because most people don't get shingles until over the age of 50. However, there's a problem here, and this is also a problem with cancer screening, which is to say that the same population that you are ignoring as the population least likely to have these problems is also mm-hmm. the same population most likely to have the most aggressive forms of these things. Yeah. And it's in a population where you are the least likely to be looking for it. Right. So you have this pro- this double problem here where it's like most of the time people under 50 won't have this problem. But what they don't like say in the parentheses that follow that is, but if you are one of the unfortunate people under 50 who get this, A, a you're fucked because nobody's deal. paying attention. Mm-hmm. And B, it's going to be a much worse form of the thing that hits you if you're younger and it hits you because you should be able to fight it off and you can't. So something is wrong. Yeah. And it's like, so you'll have a worse version of it. So you're you're going to end up with a worse version of the problem and people are less likely to help you with that. Yeah. That's I fucked mean, up. There's a whole piece in uh, of, of, of diagnosis and testing and vaccination that is exactly those equations that Ned was just talking about. I right. mean, it, it is a whole science in Oh God, well in, there's I mean in public whole, health. This whole pub, this whole book of bi- principles of bioethics talks about stuff like this up and down and left yeah. and right. Like you have to balance because not everybody can have all the stuff. And you also have this other piece of like your for your screenings and then your actual testings. Mm-hmm. Like what is your likelihood of positive ne- of false uh, positives. false positives and right. false negatives? How big are are those outcomes Mm -hmm. and like you can have a tolerance like an acceptable tolerance for false negatives if the outcomes aren't that bad but you have a very narrow tolerance if a false negative depending on on the the life threatening right of the consequences um and so you're kind of doing all these you're you're trying to simplify it to this math um like how effective, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how likely, you know, uh, how available. Yeah. Um, and you're kind of using these maths that you, it, on one hand, you're like, oh, this is like totally a, uh, an equation. But on the other hand, it's like, but it's about people's lives or yeah. people's quality of life. Yeah. Yep. And then you add into this whole piece that's public perception too. Like, so like another piece would be, then how likely are people to go if there's a problem? Right. So like when it comes to STIs, like if somebody is worried that they have a problem with their genitalia, are they less likely to go to the doctor than if they think they have breast cancer or something like that? Mm-hmm. You know, do the symptoms show? How do they show? What do people think about the symptoms? Are they going to pass it off as something else? Are yeah. they going to be, is it going to trigger feelings of shame? Like right. all of these things. So this is why I would encourage people, if you do believe in hard and soft sciences, to, to you know, at me at why medicine is a hard science, because it's all about yes. these human, squishy human sacs and what we do and yeah. don't do. Yeah, totally. Well, how can they do that? How can they do what? You can uh, tell yeah. because of the way it is. Oh, they, you can tell because of the way it is. Uh, I believe people can contact any of us uh, by emailing our executive assistants, Dana, at fcbm. Io. 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 Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Dana will get get your communication to any of us. Yes. Myself yeah. included. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And we would love to hear from you yes. on a wide variety of topics. Send us some email. Mm-hmm. 
Do we have colors of the day? We do. And let me um, just Ooh. pop that in the chat there. And so then we can all look at it. One moment. All look at it together. Yes. Pulling so. it together. Our shared color moment. <laughs> so uh, I thought this one was particularly uh, relevant considering where we, where we went um, today. In order to okay. share colors... Uh, one must first have a rainbow in their heart. Yes. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> yep. This feels derivative of other ones, I mm-hmm. said. It's not, they're all derivatives. They're, they're all derivatives. derivatives. It's, yeah, there's no, you know. Oh, you could add a degree of, of judginess by saying uh, one need only have a rainbow in their heart yes. in order to share colors with others. <laughs> right. right, right. Share the colors of life. Or <laughs> I, I always like the ones that are like, um, that kind of imply that you need to be one way in order to experience something else. So it's kind yeah. of yes. like in order to, yeah, in order to fully appreciate a rainbow, one must hold it in your heart or something like where yeah, it's like, that would work. Like, you know, it, it's sort of this like weird backhanded comp, like sort of yeah. advice, right? Where it's like, well, if you get your shit together, then you can be enlightened. Yes. Yes. And clearly I like the ones that are like, uh, that use that backhand, uh, the, that insulting language that I don't yes. know we all realize is insulting of just like, well, it's simple. Oh, yes. You only need to in yeah. order to have a fulfilling life. Like as if it's your problem, if this isn't yep. simple or you like don't you've been that. struggling to do this thing your whole life, but if you would just relax and let go, it will happen to you naturally. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Uh, if you could just get with the program. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, we were both chuckling reading the colors of the day names. That yes. I really like them. Yeah. Let's do, let's do them. Um, all right. So uh, go ahead. Uh, the first one is feminine entropy. Yes. And uh, the hexadecimal code code for this. If you just type this into to Google, uh, Hashtag or Octothorpe, as nice. I've learned from from my from this, podcasters. this podcast, <laughs> this yeah. very podcast. One of the things I learned: uh, hashtag or Octothorpe. That pound symbol. Put that in first, and then it's two six seven nine nine. A is an alpha. Yeah. Woo! And then if it helps you to visualize the RGB values, it's thirty eight comma one twenty one comma one fifty four. Great job. Would anyone like to take a stab at, at describing this color? Ooh. This is the color of bluish OR scrubs. Yeah. Ooh, but dirty ones. Old, dirty ones. <laughs> dirty Unsanitary ones. OR scrubs. <laughs> well, they're not faded because then they would be lighter. Right. But they definitely have a dusky quality. Soggy? Soggy? Sure, Maybe yeah. Maybe they're saturated wet. with they're, a mystery liquid. <laughs> wet OR moist? scrubs. <laughs> wet OR scrubs. Yeah, moist soggy. OR scrubs. I'm going to write that down. Moist OR <laughs> scrubs. I was almost Or maybe there was like an explosion and you just have soot um, clinging uh, to you. Because uh-huh. explosions happen a lot in the ER. <laughs> I mean... What kind of it? Are you sure you've been at the ER? 
maybe that wasn't really I was hit ER. by a car one time when I was a pedestrian in a parking lot and I had to sit in the ER waiting room for a really long time and then they put oh. me into a room in the R in the ER like they gave in me the a R. in the R <laughs> and uh, I had to sit there for a really long time and I was kind of in shock and like I I was really tired and I sort of like zonked out a little bit which was okay because I didn't have a head wound thank goodness but um, I was just really tired and so I had this weird dream that the doctor and the nurse came in finally and they were trying to roast a rotisserie chicken in my ER room and I was like I don't think <laughs> that this <laughs> is food is safe like or medical safe yeah. or yeah. I thought you were going to say inside you like inside oh my your God. body and I was like that sounds really Whoa. horrifying that is really I'm sorry crazy. I don't know why I went there no it was like right like right next to me like on the count you know where they wash oh, their hands before yeah but do you don't want to smell that I know it was really weird and then I woke up like oh, and I was alone in the room like, oh, oh, goodness. Oh, not chicken and less were, rosemary yeah and they were like nothing seems wrong with you and then like three or four weeks later I had to have a cortisone injection in my left knee because it wasn't getting any better um, no was it my right knee I don't even remember anymore it was my right knee because my left knee is the one that I broke my tibia and my right knee is the one that I got the injection gotcha yep and they told me it's only going to hurt a little bit and that needle was four inches long and it went all the way in. I yeah. feel like, can we make an argument that this story is like describes the feeling of feminine entropy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to navigate the medical system. Yes. Yes. So And and like this is perfect because I was sitting on that table after they gave me that cortisone injection and I had dumped like Ned knows this I dumped yes. all my ballast I had just sweat all of the available <sighs> liquid out of my skin and was sweating in a puddle and I'm sure if I had been wearing OR scrubs they would have been that color, color. right there yep mm -hmm. yep I think the prize for bringing a full together. circle goes to Meg That's yeah. right the second color masculine interception oh so good is really funny feminine entropy and masculine interception this is so great did you we, we did we didn't do this color yet right no the no. rgb is 149 comma 75 comma 48 and the hexadecimal is octothorpe 954 beta 30 and it looks like the color of a brown crayon that like a three-year-old kid would use to color in dirt I sure yeah I was wondering if this is actual burnt sienna it could it this is I think this is actual sienna proper burnt sienna let's see how close it is um Ned will tell us Ned will fact check our color judgments I mean you know the problem of course with burnt sienna is that it doesn't have a so there might be a web color let me see if I can find okay. um so burnt sienna according to wikipedia as of November 1st 2021 is the RGB value two three three one one six eight one, and so that would mm. imply that burnt sienna, according to that, has more red. So this mm -hmm. RGB value for masculine interception is one four nine seven five four eight. So you're it's skewed right, right? So like it's yeah, it's, it's in the got, right direction. It's in the right direction, but it's um it's got less red. It looks like it's closer to um what they're calling raw sienna which they're oh. referring to as 150-84-52, which is Oh, that's real really close. close. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So masculine interception apparently is a little more raw sienna than it is burnt sienna. Um, Great. Uh, yeah. Glad we sorted that out. Well, that that's good because otherwise... Or, like, yeah, or the one that's just really spot on is the one that's the, uh, the color sienna, the web color sienna. 
Oh. Um, which is defined by the list mm. of X11 colors, which is a web standard um, <gasps> for- A new, different color standard? Well, it's just a it's just a web standard for um, the X window system, the X11 color names, um, oh. which was just something that that um, uh, that you know was sort of an open source project that people put together. But um, the that value, so the RGB value for that one is one sixty eighty two forty five. So also very very close like very to, close yeah raw sienna and the x11 web color are very similar um yeah yeah so uh fascinating yeah yeah it's really fascinating so um yeah there you go um cool. yeah so there you have it you've got your uh, feminine entropy and your masculine interception um ah, so good yeah so brilliant I love these colors. Yeah, me too. Yeah, they look pretty good together actually. Like this is another one in in the the family of colors that I would I would actually use. I want like a tracksuit with these colors. A oh, I was nice. thinking nice. uh I was thinking um uh sofa and pillows. Oh. I think I want a feminine entropy sofa and masculine interception pillows. Oh, yeah. But I could maybe be convinced to f- to sit on the masculine interception <laughs> and support myself with the feminine entropy. <laughs> I'm gonna have to think on that though. I'm not ready to commit. <laughs> There's some weird, incoherent advice in here somewhere. I know it. I'm right. Saying that. Oh, up. right. I'm sure we could make. Uh, yeah, something judgy uh, and nonsensical. Yeah, judgy. One need only. Painfully pointless, observable, and unrelated concepts. Sounds right, but means nothing. Oh, Meg. Oh, that's so good. Mm-hmm. Oh, you just. Yeah, that's perfect. Nutshelled it. Mm-hmm. Nutshelled it. Yep. Meg, she's yep. our professional nutsheller. Nutsheller. <laughs> nutsheller. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you should get a you know what professional nutsheller you should get a um you should get a website yeah. that you could then yeah like unemployed oh, oh wait i already own that great <laughs> professional yes. nutsheller yes <laughs> reach me at unemployed i'm writing down professional nutsheller.com i'm gonna right. go make sure it's available and then i'm gonna buy it this was lovely yes this was lovely uh Bid thank you, you both i do thank you Thank you so much. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. And uh, if you made it this far and you forgot and you did want to leave us a comment, um, you can email us directly. Uh, you can go to our website, fcbm.io, where we have our contact information, or you can just email Dana directly, D-A-N-A at fcbm.io. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, keep wearing masks and doing what makes you feel safe and get get the jab. Um, right. Feels great. I mean, it's not I'm not a fan of getting shots, but I am a fan of not dying from COVID. So um, highly recommended. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on board with this. Yeah. And if your friends are telling you not to get it, educate yourself. Uh, There's actual real good sources out there. and Get uh, some better friends. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So and if you if you truly do not, you know, aren't going to react well to it, like, you know who you are and we're not trying to like single you out here. It's more about, you know, find a way. Anyway. um, Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks, everybody. Okay. Thanks.